Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Welcome back to the 19th Tee. Kieran Marsh and Nathan Drudy once again with you. Your dose of golf without the jacket and tie and Drudy. So we're very, uh, very pleased to welcome another special guest, a third player to the tee box. And we've always said that we wanted to give, uh, I suppose, all sides of the game of golf. We don't just talk about the big stars on the PGA Tour. We want to give all facets of life in golf. And, and I think uh, for you and I and many of the listeners, we would think working in golf each and every day would possibly be the dream job. Correct. Yeah, I think it is the dream job, and um, I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. Um, a bit of a tech head myself, so pretty keen on uh, pretty keen on this one, Kane. To that end, Rudes, it's our pleasure to welcome our next special guest once again, a third player joining us on the 19th tee. He is the Queensland Territory Manager for Cobra Puma Golf, Brenton Ford. Forty, thanks for joining us on the 19th tee, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. I suppose first and foremost, where we start with all of our guests, uh, give us an idea of, of why golf. What's the connection with you? Where did it start? And, and, and what gets you out of bed in the morning to, to pursue this great game? Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a shorter story, to be honest. I haven't been involved in golf for that long. Um, I played, like most guys, played a little bit in high school on the weekend with friends and stuff and went out there and shot 120 and had a bit of fun, um, but never really took it serious um, and probably only played you know, five or 10 rounds through high school. And then um, life got in the way and went and did work and all that kind of stuff. And then about five years ago, um, I picked up the game thanks to um, my father-in-law, actually, well, soon to be father-in-law. Um, he's, a, he's a pretty solid player. And at the time, we were, um, I was working for myself, uh, had my own, own business and was a lot of night and weekend work. So was looking for something to do during the day and something to keep me entertained. And, and I'd been... Played a lot of sports, played cricket and footy and a few other things and and um, looking for a game that I could play, yeah, more during the week and when I had spare time, I didn't have to rely on a team. So he, uh, he introduced me to golf um, and at the time I was living down in Geelong. So he was a member, I'm not sure if you're aware of a course called 13th Beach where they hold the Vic Open. Um, lovely spot. And lovely spot of the world. So he was a member there. So he introduced me to the game and, and a bit of the baptism of fire learning on that golf course. Um, but yeah, straight away got hooked and, you know, spent a lot of time during the week when sometimes I should have been working, um, at the range and, <laughs> and bashing away at some balls and, and was lucky enough to, um, yeah, to have a, have a good mentor in him and, and, and learn, learn the game a lot quicker than, than some might do just bashing away at the driving range. Um, and yeah, got addicted and, and ever since just been, been a victim of the game really just uh yeah absolutely love it and and would want to be out there every day pretty much and, and so how do you go from um, i suppose picking up a game relatively late in life uh to becoming almost instantly hooked to making it your day job what's the journey here from from uh, late stage <laughs> pickup golfer to now sales rep on the road selling the game each and every day yeah at the time like i've been in sales for sort of my first job was hospitality for about five or six years and and then got into sales um, through some big box retailers and and uh, no free ads um, and 
got into sales and and learnt my learnt my um skills in sales uh through a few different few different retailers and and then playing golf I don't know I'm kind of like you um Drew's in the way I'm a bit of a tech head um and once I get addicted to something or once I get interested in something I want to know everything about it um so I spent a lot of time on YouTube as we all do and and spent a lot of time sort of self-studying and, and self-learning and, and getting really, really into golf um, and learning off people like Crossfield and Shields and all those guys. And, um, yeah, just really took an interest in, in learning the tech side of golf and, and a very analytical sort of numbers kind of guy. Um, so, yeah, a lot of self-taught side of that stuff. And then, again, I'd sold I'd, once I'd sort of got into golf and I'd been playing two or three years, I'd, I sold the businesses that I was in. Um, and was looking for something to sort of just get back into the workforce and and sort of combine my two skills of sales and, and then golf. So I started working at um, at Drum and Golf in Melbourne um, and, yeah, was able to get a, a step into the industry, you could say, um, even though it's in, it's in sort of retail side of stuff. Um, and, yeah, learned from there. And, again, probably one of the best things I ever did for my game was actually working at Drummond because you get – a little bit of downtime to learn a little bit about the clubs and stuff, but there's also a, a hitting net in the back of the store. So um, <laughs> after hours and, and before work. hours, I was <laughs> hardly working or working hard. Um, so yeah, after hours and before before the shop opened and, and sometimes on your lunch break, just bashing away at the balls and, and that sort of helped my game a lot. But um, that that gave me some connections in the golf industry and, and got to meet a lot of people and, and learn learn and meet a lot of people not even just in the golf industry, but customers and stuff and other golfers. So that was a brilliant side of it. Uh, and um, and then, yeah, I, I, my fiancé got a, an opportunity to um, to come up to Queensland and study. We were based in Melbourne at the time. And um, she started to do her master's up here. So I had to find a job. So I just reached out to the connections and, and spoke to the, the guys that were my reps in Melbourne and said, hey, anyone got any jobs going? And uh, luckily enough, Cobra Puma had a, had a spot open and they uh, got me an interview. And the next thing you know, I'm living the apparent dream job, like you were saying at the start. Um, yeah, as a, as a territory manager up here. So it's been two years, coming up on two years now, we've been up here. What's maybe give us just a bit of an insight into what life is actually like as someone who is the, I suppose in many ways, the face of the brand out there selling the products. Um, what's life actually like as a, as a sales representative for, for a brand like Cobra? I imagine it's, it isn't probably, um, I suppose it's all not all frills as any job is, but there'd be plenty of travel involved, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's, and Queensland, not, it's not the smallest place in the world. Um, <laughs> probably one of the biggest states going around. But um, yeah, my territory is sort of Casino, which is actually northern New South Wales, um, all the way to Cairns. So it's for some of the people in Australia who are not aware of Queensland and, and the size of it. It's it's the equivalent of pretty much Brisbane to uh, Phillip Island is the territory that I cover and distance. Um, and I've got approximately sort of anywhere between eighty and a hundred accounts. Um, and accounts uh, anyone from a from a mum and dad golf shop uh, to a green grass account or, or a golf course um, to your big box retailers, your Drummonds and your House of Golf. Um, and and everyone in between so that's that's who i cover and the, and the territory that i cover and then in terms of a day-to-day there's definitely a lot of travel obviously a big state but we probably i probably spend oh, approximately a thousand k's a week in the car 
Um, that's in, in the van that I've got um, full of <laughs> every toy you can possibly imagine, um, which is one of the advantages of the job. Um, but like you said, there's there's really good parts of the job and that's that's dealing with great people and, and having access to some, some pretty cool product and, and the opportunities come from that and being able to meet people at, at certain private golf courses and things like that and, and build relationships, which is the great part. Um, and getting enough time to spend on the road, there's a, there's a good and a bad thing to, to driving that much, I find. You know, it's it's a it's a lot of driving, but it's also a lot of, and, and that, you know, can be a negative side of things, but it gives you a lot of time to listen to sort of the great podcasts like the 9th AC and no laying up and a few other guys. And <laughs> Flattery get you everywhere. Thanks for, adding an extra, uh, thanks for adding in an extra 45 minutes of uh, listening to my week, which is great. Um, Excellent. But yeah, it, it, I, spend, I spend a lot of time, yeah, making calls throughout the day, um, making sure to follow up on emails and that kind of stuff because it is pretty busy and, and you can't do a lot while you're driving. So it's making sure you take your opportunities when, you, when you're at meetings and, and after meetings. So I'll probably spend anywhere from sort of four hours a day in meetings with accounts um, and then phone calls and emails and stuff throughout the day and, and a lot of travel. So that can be during busy periods, like when we have new product launching, it can be extremely long days and, and, and long months. And then during the year when there's not not as much going on, it's more about making sure that the accounts are trained and, and you're dealing with your smaller accounts that, that um, need a bit of attention and stuff like that throughout the year. So it's um, good and bad in, as in most jobs. Uh, Brenton, I'm interested. Uh, I know that we've we've spoken previously, and you mentioned that anywhere between 80 and 100 active accounts, and and probably 80 percent of those are clubs. So it's it's where yes. you know most people go on their weekends to play. You are one of many brands that sit in in the shop. We, we've spoken previously on the podcast about the fact that the the, the model um, that traditionally exists in clubland is is a little broken, and that the game probably across the board needs a bit of a refresh. You've probably got more touch points with clubs than 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 most. Uh, without naming names, what do you see work well at Clubland as opposed to um, trends that probably need to change? Yeah, it's a really interesting industry, the golf industry, and it's something that there are there are clubs that that stick to the traditions and and you could say stuck in their ways. Um, and there are great traditions in golf. You know, it's the the everyone is equal and everyone is respectful and, and, and the manners that you learn and, and especially around juniors. I mean, the juniors in golf, once they get in there, I feel like it's a great environment to be around people um, and learn from adults and play with adults. I grew up in, in, in cricket, um, playing senior cricket when I was pretty young. And even there, you learn you learn so much from the older guys and they do mentor you as kids. And I think golf is fantastic for that. Um, so I like that side of the, the tradition, but I definitely think that there's, there's, there's some accounts, there's some golf courses out there doing really well that, that get into the stay up to date and get up to with new technology and, and changing times, like just simple things like ladies day and things like that. Like it's okay to have, like we've, I played at Brisbane golf club for the last 18 months. And, and although it's um, been a more recent addition, it's been a pretty fantastic addition in having open tea times and open days. So we had, um, we had ladies available to play. Ladies allowed to play is what they is what you should be saying. But everyone's available to play on on any day. So Saturday comps, um, there was ladies groups and men's groups and mixed groups throughout the day, which I found I thought fantastic. Again, being I'm only 31 years old, I grew up with with everyone being an equal equal person, and we're in 
everyone's got equal rights these days and that's what the way it should be. Um, and I see, I like that, that, that new step that clubs are doing where they're allowing or, or making it available for anyone to play juniors, ladies, seniors, men, men and ladies um, on any day. And I think that's a fantastic movement. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there's, there's just little things that bring, allowing people I'm, I'm a, one of my pain points, and you probably boys, you might agree with this, you might run into it sometimes in on certain golf courses, but things like black socks, like to have to wear white socks, is <laughs> one of my pet peeves, and it drives me absolutely insane. Um, and and it's it's funny because like golf brands and apparel brands sell black socks, so you know what I mean? Like, And you, yeah. if you've ever, if you've ever had, a, had a wife or a girlfriend uh, critique your outfit when you're wearing a black suit with white socks, you'll, <laughs> you'll learn. So <laughs> if, if you're selling black golf shoes and black golf pants and black um, golf shorts, I think that you should be allowed to wear black socks. That's just a pet peeve of mine. But um, very small things like that need to change. Um, but I think uniform, as much as we're an apparel manufacturer, I sell apparel day in, day out. Um, I'd like to see relaxed. I like, I like courses that have a relaxed dress policy. Um, even things like, you know, popping out on a Friday after work, which we all love to do, especially when you're in the southern states or, or the daylight saving states this time of year. Um, I know we, we used to leave drum and golf and play um, play nine holes or 12 holes or as many as you could get in after work um, before the sun come down in Melbourne. And, yeah, you'd, you'd walk out there in, in shirts. If you had to get changed from your work uniform, if it's business or it's neat enough, just a, a nice shirt and a pair of shorts or T-shirt and a pair of shorts, as long as you're not covered in plaster and things like that that no 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 offense to plasterers but um yeah part of the game part like, of the game you're the covered you're not <laughs> as long as you're not playing in a singlet and uh and songs that kind of stuff as long as it's safe then then i think that's that's reasonable it's not like um yeah it's just things like that 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 hurt the golf industry i think and 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 being more welcoming to, to all the different demographics and sexes and, and all that stuff is, is where golf will grow. Um, I was listening to a podcast this morning from, from Andy on the Friday and he was talking about that the, the largest section of, of growth in the golf industry is junior girls. Um, and you can see that leading in Korea and things like that. But when we, when we see places like Saudi Arabia where women can't go and watch a golf tournament, it's, we're not living in Saudi Arabia, but it's things like that that, that we really need to be pushing junior programs and, and loosening a few of those traditions to welcome more people to golf because the industry is not growing at the moment and that's, that's hurting the rest of us. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, we, we gave the uh, European tour a fair whack on our, on, uh, on an episode of, of earlier this week. Um, interested to know 40, it's um, when you go into a golf shop, you're immediately whacked in the face with, with brands like Callaway, TaylorMade, Titleist, um, if you, if you talk to a lot of people out on golf courses, they're generally the three brands that people know straight off the top of their head. How do you, how do you compete with, with brands who have um, obviously significant marketing budgets, um, have got a lot of money to put into product testing? How, do, how does Cobra, I suppose, um, look to compete with some of those brands that have been um, so ingrained in the golf community for many, many years? Yeah, definitely the marketing budget is probably... Um, the biggest thing for those companies and, and we see that with, with Instagram and, and YouTube and all that kind of stuff and, and I think the independent reviewers do an amazing job 
um, most of the time in, in being independent um, and, and neutral and brand um, brand agnostic. But in terms of at the grand at the grand grass level and competing with at the ground level competing with um with the big guys is is Cobra's mentality is we we put all of our money into R and D. Um, we don't pay a lot of tour players. Your favourite player, Drew's in Bryson DeChambeau, Ricky Fowler, Lexi Thompson, um, and and a very small stable, but a solid stable. But we don't invest a lot of money in our in our marketing and tour players. We just try to make the best product um, for the customers. And then what that allows the company to do is, is sort of price um, below those guys with a with a performance or a similar performance, um, which is awesome. Um, especially this year, like our driver's been um, very very hot this year, and and achieve some amazing things in, in terms of it's been the number one driver in the UK, which is a huge achievement the first time for us um, and had great success everywhere. So it's for, for us and for me as a salesperson and a selling point to the green grass guys and, and any account is to just make sure that, or just to ask them to put it in their hand, put it in the customer's hand and, and let them compare. Um, because the last thing you want to do is have, have go to a fitting and only get showed, a couple of brands or half the brands or, 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 um, not be given the opportunity to try something that may suit you better. Um, so for us, it's, it's about developing a product that performs as good or better than the big guys and let the product speak for itself and let you guys as, as consumers and as, as reviewers and, and all that kind of stuff be the, be the marketing for our product. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing. And, and then also that's on the, on your high-end product, you're competing with the top-end sort of stuff, your tour-level product. And then we also have um, a more forgiving, more senior-based product. So that's one thing that there's a little gap in the market where if you look at any golf course, your average member base is, is 60 years old or 60-plus in a lot of places. And those guys can't necessarily, they're not swinging it like Brooks Kepka or, or Roy McIlroy. So using the same driver on tour may not suit those guys. So we do... The, they do specialise like a, a super lightweight offset because a lot of guys hit it right. I don't know about you boys, but I'm the same. I'm a, I'm a gentle fade into a slice sometimes. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so one of the only fixes, as much as you can adjust the driver and, and get technical, as much as you can move around weights and stuff, the best thing you can ever have to reduce a right miss is offset. Um, it doesn't look great to some people's eye. But when you see the ball fly straighter and longer and hit more fairways, who cares what it looks like, really? So that that product that we make um, in the lightweight sort of seniors and juniors um, and, and ladies especially, that product um, is a way that we separate separate ourselves from the market and try and try and find that little niche um, in the in that older market as well at local courses. Brenton, I'm curious. You mentioned R and D, and that's where a lot of your money gets poured into. I know that you uh, recently were lucky enough to take a, I suppose you call it a research trip back to the states to HQ <laughs> of, uh, of Cobra Puma over there on, on on the west coast. Take us inside what headquarters looks like in terms of um, obviously the production, but I suppose the innovation. What are what are Cobra Puma doing, and what's the setup like at HQ to ensure that you're ahead of the market? What what does that factory floor look like and what are the ideas that are flowing uh, coming out of, of HQ over in the States? Yeah, it's pretty amazing what they've done and, and Cobra as a brand for years have always been sort of innovative and, and, and definitely at the forefront of technology, which is, which is why it stands out as a brand for me to work for because they're always pushing the boundaries, which is awesome. Um, 
and and always looking at something different. So they they keep a lot of stuff behind the curtains when we were there. But the one a couple of cool things they showed us was um realistically it's it's an office building in a big warehouse. Um, and the guys there have a, a really cool production line um, in terms of building stuff. And you'll have guys, the way they do it is they have, they don't have their key areas like you would on a, on a car line, for example, or a car manufacturer where you go, you're just putting on the door all day kind of thing. You're putting in the interior. You'll build the club from start to finish. So you'll walk into the, um, into the aisles of where all the stock is and you'll pick out, you'll go, you need the left-handed head at 10 and a half degrees. You'll grab that head in the colour that you need. Then you go along, get the shafts, get the grip, get everything that you need and wheel it back to your production line. And then you go through all the stages and, and build the club. So um, the one thing they did have, which is really interesting and I enjoyed, was like they had this cool tech, which is like a, a thumbprint um, sort of trigger that started all the machine. So whenever you wanted to put, say you're putting the club head together and it's got a user machine to clamp the club head together, you have to take your hands away from it, away from all the guards and you press your thumb on it. And that puts it together, so it's super, super safe. Um, and keeping your hands away, which I don't spend too much time in a warehouse being a sales guy, but um, that was pretty cool tech. But in terms of um, in terms of golf tech, it was cool to have a look into the um, into the testing area. So they have a they have a machine there where they can test CT, which is a really cool or really um, yeah, pretty big topic in golf at the moment with all the testing and stuff on tour. Yeah, don't get um, started. You go down the rabbit warren there, forty. <laughs> On the hot hot drivers, um, so CT is a massive part, and it will be a big story you'll see in the next couple of years because because drivers, if I can tangent off for a minute, a minute drivers have, have been on the limit for ten years, and and they the PGA Tour and, and the RNA um, or the USGA and the RNA put in restrictions about ten years ago to to limit the amount of trampoline effect or what you what is now called CT, um, the trampoline effect on drivers, um, so. Drivers have been at the limit in terms of the, the spring off the face for that for, for 10 years. But what they've been able to do to improve drivers over the last 10 years is increase the forgiveness of the driver, how how fast they are off when you miss it, so closer to the edges, um, and also the aerodynamics of the head um, and shaft technology. So all of that stuff has led to Rory and Brooks hitting it 350 metres dead straight, um, or 350 yards. But... Um, for us guys, it's, it's for you and I. It's, it's much. It's helped us a lot on the miss hits and, and the forgiveness stuff. But the distance out of the middle, in terms of from driver to driver for the last five or ten years, has, has been uh, at the same speed. You can't have it any faster out of the middle of the clubhead. But out of the outside of the clubhead, that's where the big improvements have happened. So, what the big story is going forward is is face technology, and you've seen it this year and last year where we came out with the milled face. Um, TaylorMade had the, the twist face. Epic had the rails or the flash face. Everything's really face technology based um, because that's that's the next frontier of golf is making the face faster away from the middle of the club. Um, so you'll see a bit more face technology information or, or advertising and, and product improvement in the next couple of years. Um, and CT is, is the story behind that because CT is the limit. So being able to push the limit of CT on the or the exterior of the face or further away from the middle, meaning that if you do what I do and hit a nice high toe or a low heel, that's going to be, um, you're going to keep the speed. So that's, that's where, we're, where it's going. So this machine, basically, getting back to that story, um, the machine, basically, you place the club head into the machine 
um, and it holds the club face or holds the driver head where it is. And then it fires a golf ball at the head. Um, and then you've got slow-mo cameras and sensors and that kind of stuff. But instead of swinging the club at the ball, this is, this is a much more accurate way of reading it. They, um, they fire the ball at the golf club and then see with cameras and sensors and stuff how long um, it comes off the face and they do that for durability testing and all that kind of stuff as well. And, and yeah, so that that's, was one of the cool things that they showed us in the machine. Um, and then probably the next cool thing was taking a look into the tour area. So a little bit underwhelming. It's just a caged off area with one bloke in there doing his thing. Um, but there's one guy, and I've, honestly, I forgot his name, but he um, he builds all of our tour stuff just from the one guy built it all for Bryson, um, Ricky and Lexi. And, yeah, he had some really cool really cool stuff, and he, we talked about how it was working with Bryson and stuff, and he was actually saying that most people would expect it to be pretty hard, but working with Bryson was one of the easy things because he knows what he wants, and he comes in and he goes, you know, I want this head to weigh this with this shaft and blah, 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 and away he goes, and he builds it, so... Um, that was really cool to hear and, and see some prototype stuff that's, that's coming next year, which is really cool that I can't talk about just yet. But um, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff State that goes secrets. on. State secrets. <laughs> State secrets for now. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in there that they um, that they do in-house. So they build a lot of stuff. So, for example, like if if um, Ricky wants to test a new wedge, they've got, They've got a CNC milling machine and they can mill their own heads and, and build everything in-house as a prototype and test it right there in Carlsbad, um, which is really cool and we don't have to get stuff sent over and back from China and things like that. But when you come to a manufacturing process, things are manufactured in China and, and because the volume and, and the, the ability that they have over there. Um, and then it's assembled for America. It's assembled in Mexico or just over the do- over the border in, in outside of Carlsbad. And then the custom stuff is built by hand and, and same when you guys order a driver here. Um, if you order a driver or, or any irons and they're custom built, they're built down in Melbourne um, by the team down there. So we've got uh, three or four guys down there who part of our building team, um, which is awesome Like to get everything custom built over here. It's really interesting custom. I don't know if you guys have been custom fit before. Not as have yet. Have you had a chance to, not, to do not anything as like yet. that? It's, it's, on the, it's on the cards uh, when I can One day. spare up some... Uh, uh, I suppose some extra cash, but it's it's definitely something we. Uh, I think we're both. <laughs> That's the best thing for your game, isn't it? Honestly, yeah. It, like it's for me again. Like I said, I've only been playing maybe five years, but I did what you did, Drew, and bought and probably yourself, Marshy. But I bought a bought just a package set from from a local retailer um, off the shelf, and and within six months, like I was playing a lot of golf and really enjoying it, and and sort of struggling to improve, and and I had a lesson. And the guy also does custom fitting. And he said, let me have a look at your irons. And we had a couple of swings with it. And he did a few tests with length and line angle and things. And he goes, these are what is, is probably holding you back at the moment. I had regular shafts, standard length, steel, um, and standard lie, and standard grips. So it was all just off the shelf in a regular flex. And then he fitted me to a set of irons that were a little bit longer, so half an inch longer, slightly thicker grips because I've got relatively long fingers. Um, and stiff shafts, and then the lie angle is basically how the club's sitting on the ground. Um, so the lie angle was two degrees with the toe up, um, so that helps with the fade. Um, and it was incredible, like from shooting 105 to shooting low 90s overnight, it was just ridiculous. It didn't have to change your swing, didn't have to change anything clubs were built for my swing, and they were just my irons. So then I had to progress because I still had a regular flex driver and, and three wood and all that kind of stuff. So the irons were, were something that you hit on every hole. Um, so 
So that was huge for my game, and, and I'd definitely recommend it for for any of the, the listeners and yourselves. There's there's all the brands, and, and we do them as well. Is we do demo days um, that are free at golf clubs, um, and you can find them on. If you Google just Australian golf demo days, you can find a couple of websites that, that advertise where they are every week. Um, and look like, for example, our guy in Queensland does three or four a week at all your different golf clubs and, and golf stores and stuff. And that's where you can go along for free, try out the clubs, compare them to yours, get a fit, and there's no obligation to buy. It's just to have a try out of the clubs, really. It's basically a demo day or, or a fitting day, depending on how you want to book it. I think I finally cracked the code, to be honest. I think I finally cracked the code of what stands between me and the single figure handicap that I'm chasing. And it seems to be purely just the clubs. I don't think there's yep, any other the reason. That's it. Yep. I think it's Blame the, the tools, mate. Blame the tools. I think it's the clubs. I'm going to come and see you 40 when I'm over in uh, Queensland next. I'll, um, I'll, come and, I'll come and find you and track you down. And, come and, and raise um, the van, mate. I've got all the toys. Get a, get a fitting. <laughs> hey, um, you were touching on before around, around Ricky and Bryson and, and Lexi. And obviously, you've got three very big stars of the game. Um, as part of the brand, how important are those, um, I suppose, ambassadors um, of the brand in terms of sales, I suppose? Um, obviously, you were talking before, um, you know, you've got guys like Titleist who have just about everyone on the tour. Um, but how important are, are, are people like Ricky and Lexi and Bryson in, in driving sales? Yeah, it is. It's definitely... Um I mean, the prime example is Bryson and because he's so new. I mean, Ricky, back in the day, I wasn't involved in the company. I probably really wasn't in golf because he's been around 10 years with Puma now, um, which is pretty amazing effort. Um, but he's, he's a massive part of the brand. And, and whenever you say Ricky Fowler, you think of, of Puma and Orange and Cobra. So he's done well in yeah. building that side of things. But for me, the example is Bryson was with the brand pretty much um, maybe six months or a year before I started. And, and his, his one-length concept, um, which is totally, totally different to what the standard is in golf or the or the tradition is in golf, um, and to see what he's done for the brand and and when he had that big crazy, um, crazy win streak last year, um, and to see the sales numbers and and the inquiries on one length was absolutely insane. It's to prove that like him winning or wins wins on tour or who's playing well on tour can drive sales. So we saw. As over a general, the last two years, we see one link um, in our iron sales share about 26% of our sales, which um, I think is massive. Like for, for 26% of our iron sales to be one length. One in four people huge. going with one length, one, length, uh, one length club. That's amazing. Yeah, from us to give it a try. It's pretty amazing. Um, and it is such a, such a different but really simple concept. Um, and then we see that number jump to sometimes 50% when he's winning. So... It's huge what he does um, for the brand and, and for that for that model in our in our range. Um, so yeah, it's, it's they're huge and, and they drive. I mean, you can if you name any tour player, you can you can almost name what's on their hat and what's on their sleeve um, and what's in their in their bag. So it's 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 huge and, and for them winning, that's where it becomes um, becomes big for the brand and, and big for sales and 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 big for what they do in the community as well. I mean, what Ricky and and Bryson do and Lexi do, especially for the girls and the kids, is, is huge. And that's that's building brand perception and, and using nowadays with social media and, and the things that they can they can spread by doing great work and, and, and charity work and stuff. It's it's huge for the brand, but it's also huge for golf. Might might be a difficult one to quantify, forty, but just on how much Bryson shifts the dial, do you think do you think it's a result of people's perception that because he's so 
process driven and scientific in the way he goes about his business that if his clubs are working, there must be a reason because he's obviously put so much thought, time and research into how he puts his bag together. So if he is successful, do you think the perception of him as a, as a person and how meticulous he is contributes to how much he shifts the dial on your sales? Yeah, I think so. I honestly do. I, I think that he is a, he's a polarizing character and he's, you love him or you hate him, but he's, um, he's a genuinely, he's just genuinely a golf nut like we are. And we were lucky enough to, in, in America, you were saying we had that trip um, in August and, and we were lucky enough that he was there for the launch of the new driver that's coming next year. And, um, and we had a chat with him briefly about coming to the President's Cup and, and I don't know if you boys are going, but we'll have to catch up there. Sure because I'll book some flights, which I'm sure pumped that. about. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're excited to see him down there. And, and, but, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's a switched-on cat. He spends a lot of time in and talking to the guys in R&D and talking to our tour guy and, and doing research and, and testing. Because on tour and, and in golf, we know it's, it's the one percenters and it's, it's like in any sport if you can really focus on those one percenters and, and develop a process and, and, and find a secret that, that will make you that one percent better on the golf course or save you one shot a tournament is massive. Um, so I think for what he's doing in golf is is trying and testing and he's only so young and, and, and playing with different things to make himself better. Everyone else is sort of doing that with sort of training and, and physical stuff. And even you see with, with a lot of golfers who aren't signed to equipment contracts, I think that's massive as well because they're showing that, that not one brand makes a perfect full bag, if you know what I mean. So um, that's an interesting other concept and, and chat you can have in golf. But I think that the, yeah, I think that he's, he's out there testing and, and doing some crazy stuff. And when he's winning, people go, well, he must be onto something. Um, or he's found something, and, and his biggest story is one link. So that's the first thing people want to try, or think, or consider trying at a demo day and stuff. Which is, um, yeah, it's it is a it is really cool. And, and and the clubs that he's playing he's playing next year are going to appeal to a lot of people. And I think that's um, there'll be a few more trying it out as as he as it develops and as his career develops, and and um, and more brands got on board. If, if if that happens from from other manufacturers, is is the next step too. Now, with, without wanting to put uh, your employment status at risk, because I'm sure there's been a series of NDAs <laughs> signed uh, and strict non-disclosures between now and the, and, and the new year, I, I don't want I don't want specifics around what we can expect out of uh, out of the Cobra factory come January. But maybe where's Cobra trying to take it? Whether it's with the irons or the drivers, what's the the focus uh, of where they're trying to take uh, this next iteration of the club? Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of focus on 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 face technology, and that's that's huge for for us. And and the milled face in the F8, the first the first milled face in any driver, has has been huge for us. And if any if you know anything about manufacturing or about the milling process, or or you don't, it's 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 basically they it's a process that we can use or a machine that we can use to to grind down the face to shape it and to make it the way that it is at on retail or at retail. Um, down to a fraction of a millimetre and it's all done by machine, so they're all the same. So whereas every other driver in the market is, is manufactured or shaped and 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 sh- yeah, shaped and, and finished by hand. So 
you don't get the consistency and that's why like the, the guys always talk about hot or tour drivers they're the ones that have been tested and they're absolutely pure and perfect going to the tour van and then from everything on the shelf you may see between heads and between brands and 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 between even the same model and the same loft, there'll be variances in in face thickness, in curve on the face, which is bold and roll, um, loft even. So all those things that are within a tolerance, but that tolerance could be one or two degrees on a, on a driver loft, for example, um, when they're done by hand. So the milling process for us was was huge um, and, and people are, and competitors are still trying to, to get onto that process and figure out how we're doing it. Um, so that's that's a big step forward for us, and we kept that in F9, and it was a huge part of the F9 success. Um, and we can we can see that going forward, and and we can see that improving as as we keep keep researching and, and developing that procedure um, or that process. Um, so that's going to be a huge story for us. And and in terms of the irons and stuff, it's iron technology is an interesting one. Like you guys have maybe seen a little bit of launch of the. Well, the announcement of the the new product in our our Forge Tech, um, which is your hollow headed um, foam filled filled irons, um, so a player performance sort of category where it suits a lot of golfers and it has been successful from other brands. So generally, we find that, or well, I've found that Cobra spend a lot of time in R and D and and lead the industry in in a lot of innovations like the milled face stuff. But there's also obviously everything that you miss and and sometimes that. Sometimes you make you don't see a category coming out of out of the woodwork like like the hollow headed irons do. Um, so we're just trying to make sure that the the products that we release are of the highest quality, of the most reliability, and and perform at a price point because golf's expensive. <laughs> like I'm uh, <laughs> I'm in the industry and it's still extremely expensive um, to play golf and to to buy gear and all that kind of stuff. So it's um. It's we're trying to make it um, affordable and get the performance out of it that you would get if you spent you spent on those bigger guys. And, and I mean, I'm not going out there buying five six hundred dollar irons like there are nowadays. Um, but yeah, we're trying to com- compete and, and and push the boundaries with with that kind of stuff. But next year is exciting, mate. I've seen that driver and and I get my sample next week to have a hit of it. It's funny not being in the industry knowing how early they are and and how fast they are on stuff. So these. These drivers were were in production sort of July August this year, which is amazing. Maybe even earlier, but that's when we've seen some finished product, um, and they don't launch till till next year. So it's um, they're working on the next one and probably the one after that already. So it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing the golf industry. Well, if anything, if well, if next year's anything to go by, mate, you've got a, another big year ahead of you at Cobra. Um, the F9 driver has obviously been absolutely massive this year, as has the King Black Wedge, um, which in my opinion is the best looking wedge on the market. Um, and F9 drivers, they've all received gold um, gold on the hot list from Golf Digest this year. It's been a huge year um, for Cobra, hasn't it? Um, I suppose 2020 is going to be another massive year following on from, from a, a big 2019, mate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for us to achieve the sales in, in, in our driver, which we've actually, we've more than doubled what we did in 2018 with the F8. So that's just off the charts and we could never have expected to do such a, such an amazing um, jump year to year. You never expect to have hundred percent growth, let alone more than that. Um, so F9, I mean, for my game, it's, it's been, awesome as well and and the little subtle one that or the the under the radar one is the um 
is the fairway woods, mate. Like the F9 fairway woods are just ridiculous. And one thing about you know, CT, there's no real testing on fairways, but they're hot and they absolutely hammer. Um, and I've never been a fairway guy and it's, it's been always, always struggle to hit fairway woods. So um, until I worked with these guys and, and actually got one in the bag with the rails on the bottom of it and, and now a milled face, it just absolutely hammers and it's always a good backup to have a a tricky three wood or a five wood in the bag that, that you can rely on off the tee when the driver's playing up. Which is every hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. High and Ride himself on the other end of the line, uh, Nathan Drew, the, the, uh, the Sultan, of, the Sultan of Slice 40. Mate, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've really enjoyed uh, having you on and, and, and I think it's been fantastic to, as we said at the start, maybe get an understanding of what life is like on the road for a person who's lucky enough to work in the great game day to day and also take a look at what's uh what's coming up i think we've skillfully skillfully navigated the line of hashtag pay to play so really looking forward to seeing what's coming out of uh of cobra pima golf uh, next year and and as i said thanks again for joining us on the 19th team we look forward to doing it again in the future probably once we have those uh, those nice forgiving drivers coming out uh, early in the new year thanks mate Absolutely, boys. Thanks for having us on. And uh, next time we're in, you're in sunny Queensland, come over and we'll have a bash with the new product. <laughs>